everything I know about Gary Kubiak and my interactions and in everyone else's that I, uh, opinions that I respect, their interactions, that you could not have a better person, you know, forget the coach, but, you know, better person uh, to be in that situation and pretty much eliminate any chance of a of hard feelings or uncomfortable, you know, power struggles or anything like that. Yeah. And so that's the first thing I think, and that's you know, and I know that sounds like a bunch of drama, but it is actually extremely important. It wouldn't matter how good of a coach he is and what his potential contributions would be if uh, if it was going to create a scene, basically. And I don't, and if anyone can prevent that, it, it's him. Um, and so I think that's really important. Hey everyone, welcome in. It's another edition of the Wobcast, and I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from the TCO Performance Center and TCO Studios in Egan, joined as always by my sidekick, the co-host, the producer, the one and only Chris Corso. Chrissy, what is up, man? It's good to be back. It's good to be back after a little breather time where we kind of get over um, the end of the season there, and now we're kind of looking... Looking forward, and we're totally and looking forward. It all starts yeah. with a, with a new hire, yep. um, and a big one, in fact. It is a big one. We're going to talk about the um, the addition of assistant head coach and offensive advisor Gary Kubiak, and some of the ancillary additions as well on today's show. To help us do that, we're going to bring in ESPN.com's Kevin Seifert. He'll give us his perspective on the Gary Kubiak hire. So we're going to talk a lot about the Vikings offense and Gary Kubiak. Uh, we'll get into the first mock draft of the season that we're going to analyze, that coming from ESPN's Mel Kuyper. That'll be coming up later in the Wobcast, and of course we'll get to some of your mail. But let's talk about the topic of the day, and that is the addition of Gary Kubiak. Now, we don't want to shortchange the other additions, Chris, Gary Kubiak's son, Clint Kubiak, has been named quarterback's coach. Clint has been with the Vikings as an assistant coach before. So, yeah, he's here maybe because Gary is here, but he's also here because the Vikings know Clint Kubiak from when he was an offensive quality control coach under, I believe, Leslie Frazier's staff, where he and Kevin Stefanski became really close friends. And then you have a tight ends coach who's been added, Brian Periani, um, added as well as as Gary Kubiak and Clint Kubiak. So you have a, um, you know, sort of a a new part of an offensive staff for the Vikings, and I think there are going to be some some benefits. There are naturally are challenges when you bring in new coaches. They got to get to know the players, and the players got to get to know them, and you got to hope the synergy is there. So all that stuff we'll we'll keep an eye on, but. There are three things that I really like, uh, Chris, about this, the hire of Gary Kubiak. You know, and then I want to get some of, your, um, some of your thoughts on it, too. Number one is his offensive acumen. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins knows this offense. It is a version of Mike Shanahan's offense because Gary Kubiak played for and coached with Mike Shanahan. That's right. That's the first offense that Kirk Cousins got to know when he entered the NFL as a draft pick of Mike Shanahan and the Redskins. So this is an offense that Kirk Cousins will get into and look at and will know. And I'm not saying that this is Gary Kubiak's offense. This is Kevin Stefanski's offense. This is the Vikings' offense. But I think the addition of Gary Kubiak is going to bring elements of his offense that Kevin Stefanski will implement. Kirk Cousins will know those. He'll be familiar with them, and he'll be good at them. So I like that. Um, Number two, uh, an adult in the room, so to speak, for Mike Zimmer. We know that the loss of Tony Sperano... Um, had a lot of ramifications on the Vikings before this season. One of them was 
Tony Sperano had the credibility with Mike Zimmer to walk into Zim's office or to sit down with Zim in Tony's office and say, hey, Zim, this isn't working. Hey, Zim, that's not a good idea. Hey, Zim, I wouldn't do that, and here's why. And Zim would listen. I think Gary Kubiak carries that credibility with Mike Zimmer, so that's good. Number three, Gary Kubiak will provide a fresh evaluation of the current offensive players. So you have the the coaches who will be held over from last year's staff to this year's staff. You have the the scouts who have been here uh, for an extended period of time. You have Zimmer and Spielman. They know these players. They have opinions of these players. And those opinions are rooted in observations, and they're good opinions. Yep. But now Gary Kubiak is going to come in here and give a fresh set of eyes, uh, that type of look on the offensive talent, and provide some input to Spielman and Zimmer. And I think that's going to sort of turn over some some rocks maybe that weren't turned over. Yeah. And that's going to help the offense as well. So those are the three things I like about the Gary Kubiak hire. What did you think of it? Yeah, I'm going to build on some of those points. I like that you mentioned the Shanahan connection first because – Everyone's trying to, all these NFL teams are trying to find someone who knows Sean McVay in any (laughs) realm or any sort of bit. And Sean McVay learned from Gary Kubiak and Mike Shanahan. So this is the, and Kyle Shanahan, his son. This is the guy who was part of the creation of that offense. And Kirk Cousins was a a part of that as well in Washington. So um, with Shanahan. So um, having one of those guys who actually was part of the creation of this RPO sort of zone blocking um offense he's the one who's who was with Shanahan and, and and was a part of it so that's a really good point um when you look at some of these teams who are hiring all these young coaches we did the opposite we we went and got the elder who has been there before 10 seasons as a head coach in the NFL four Super Bowl titles the backup to John Elway for nine seasons as a player in Denver yeah. back in the day when you're around greatness like that I mean yeah. And then to later coach under John Elway with the Denver Broncos and win a Super Bowl and do all that, this guy knows how to win. He has an 82-75 and 75 regular season record, which is obviously over 500, 5-2 in the postseason, which is great to see. Um, this is a guy who has found different ways to have a successful offense, whether it's with Peyton Manning in a shotgun-style um, passing offense. But one big thing that is to note here is he knows how to run a successful running offense. Yep. And that's what we need here. We need a successful way to blend the running game with the play-action game and then obviously with the success of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. So I think he's the perfect guy um, to help Kevin Stefanski develop this. We, we need to remember that this is Kevin Stefanski's offense. He's the man in charge. But now you have an elder in the room who's done it before and who can also help Kevin. So... I love the move. I think my, it's great. Me too. My, my last thing on this too, and and there are cynics that out there, you know, that um, that we interact with or we see or we know or you know who who are just out there providing their opinions. And cynics, you know, is an it's a it's it, there's negative connotation to be a cynic, but sometimes cynics are correct, right? So um, it's not that their opinions are invalid. It's just. A cynical-minded person might say, "Hey, Gary Kubiak, he's here in case you know S hits the fan, and you know you need uh, you need a new head coach or yep. or whatever." Or Gary Kubiak's here to be looking over Kevin Stefanski's shoulder. That's the cynical point of view. I'm, I'm going to say this: it could go the other way too. The Vikings' offense could take off here under Kevin Stefanski, and you're going to lose Kevin Stefanski to a head coaching job a year from now. 
Now you've got a guy in Gary Kubiak who you could maybe lean on as your coordinator. So, I mean, it could go that way, too. Let's not just assume that Kubiak's here for insurance in case something goes wrong. He might be here in case something goes really, really well, too. And so um, I think Gary Kubiak will be a valuable part of the offensive machine here in Minnesota. I think he'll be a great resource, not just for Kevin Stefanski and Kirk Cousins, but for Mike Zimmer as well. And who's to say a, de- a defensive coach can't go into Gary Kubiak and say, hey, hey man, you know, we're having a really tough time with this offensive concept that the Lions are running you know, yep. what's the key to it? You know, Gary Kuby, I can tell him what the key to it is. You know what I mean? So um, I really think it's a cool addition. Enough of what Chris and I think about the Gary Kubiak addition. We're going to get the opinion of someone who covers the entire National Football League for ESPN. His name is Kevin Seifert. He's a friend of the program. Kevin used to cover the Minnesota Vikings back in the 90s and early 2000s, was a really good beat writer, um, and is still a great uh, writer for ESPN and ESPN.com. We love catching up with Kevin at off-season events like the Combine and owners meetings. He gives a great perspective on what's going on, and we're going to bring him into the Wobcast right now so we can get his feelings on the hiring of Gary Kubiak. In the uh, Super Bowl or whether we have new blood and the yeah. Chiefs, who have been probably the most interesting and exciting team um, in the NFL this year. Yeah, and um, so you're busy, and we appreciate your time joining us on the Wobcast today, so thank you for that. Um, sure. Now, I would imagine the Kansas City press box, it's been redone since I've been there. Um, now, open-air press boxes are usually the best. That would not be the case, though, this Sunday night for that game. I think it's going to be pretty chilly, right? Yeah, They uh, initially the weather forecast was for, like, over-the-top, like, International Falls-type <laughs> rigid weather, like, literally below zero. Um, and I think they've kind of pulled back on that a little bit, but it's going to be, uh, you know, one of the coldest championship games um, south of Minnesota slash Green Bay uh, that we've seen in the NFL. Yeah. You know, I was I remember, I cannot remember what game it was that Mahomes and the Chiefs were playing, but it was it was, I think it was somewhere in October. And or maybe it was even September, and I'm watching Mahomes, and I'm I'm like, from a first year starter standpoint, I don't remember the last time I was this impressed with a first year starter. I know he's not a rookie, so it's his first year starting, and I thought maybe Roethlisberger's year maybe was one yeah. of those. But are you kind of kind of with with me on that? I mean, a oh, first year yeah. starter doing what he's doing is just amazing. It's pretty unprecedented. The Roethlisberger, you know, he they obviously had a great year his first year, but if you go back and look, it was like a very run-heavy uh, okay. offense, even for that era, you know, when people weren't throwing quite as much as they are now. Um, it was extremely, like he'd have like 13, 15 attempts in a game or something like that. What, what we've seen this year, to me, in Kansas City is like this perfect storm of a coach who has always been way beyond the curve in Andy Reid in terms of, creating offenses that uh, keep him ahead of the game, Mm -hmm. uh, first of all. And number two, um, coalesce with the the skills of his quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes is a guy who um, has just an unbelievable menu of skills for for his age and not just the ability, sort of the Favre-like ability to throw weird arm angles and run and not need to have his feet set to to, get it 60 yards downfield, but really, and what everyone from the Kansas City says, um, a really sophisticated knowledge of 
quarterback play for his age. Uh, when they brought him in pre-draft and did the old thing with, on the board, uh, they were blown away compared to the other quarterbacks in that draft at how quickly he synthesized their offense and how easily and confidently he sort of spit it back out to them. So it's a, it's a perfect storm of a really uniquely ta- talented quarterback who has a lot more knowledge and instincts than he's probably given credit for mm-hmm. and a coach who, uh, of all the coaches in the league, uh, who you would could give a quarterback like that to, I think Andy Reid would rank number one. Yeah, that's a really good point. I agree with that. Um, the, the last thing I want to ask you about this before we go on to some Viking stuff you know you're covering you're there covering it for ESPN so from a uh, an interest from a fan interest standpoint and you know wanting traffic to ESPN and wanting people to to consume your coverage what do you think is better in the Super Bowl what what will generate more of that this new school chiefs look or the NFL royalty of the patriots cuz i think you could make a compelling case for either but how do you see it yeah, that's a really interesting question because we, you know, obviously, and I'm sure you guys look at all the metrics, um, digital metrics of, of online publishing. Yep. And, you know, there's there's a there's a handful of NFL teams that are just way ahead of the pack in terms of traffic, in terms of engagement, in terms of anything you can measure that people would make you think people are interested in reading. And the Patriots are right up there. So, mm-hmm. if you if the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. Not only is that a guaranteed, you know, pretty high floor for TV ratings, but it's a guaranteed pretty high floor for um, for web engagement and traffic. Uh, the idea that Kansas City has a great fan base, but from a number standpoint, not nearly as big as New England. And so, like, so the question would be: Would they transcend the fan bases and just appeal to um, to people? Uh, writ large and I think there's a good case to be made for that that Chiefs Rams game uh, on Monday night got incredible uh, Monday night football ratings and so that was maybe a preview of what uh, could be the actual Super Bowl I suppose but anything involving the Chiefs and the idea of a high-flying offense um, I think so I, I think we'll be in good shape either way but I think there's a chance that the Chiefs could transcend the higher floor that the Patriots would give in terms of interest and ratings. And yeah, that sort of yeah, interesting. All right, um, I know you're keeping uh, your, your eyes on the AFC title game, Kevin, and, and some of the other stuff that you work on uh, for ESPN with the rules and officials and, and analytics, but I know that you've also heard the Vikings hired Gary Kubiak uh, recently. That. Yeah, so you know, you and I have been to Vikings games where the Vikings have – played or coached against Gary Kubiak, but now here we have a longtime NFL personality, a well-respected guy who's going to be on our sidelines here in Minnesota. So what were your thoughts about the hiring of of Gary Kubiak? Well, the first thing is that potentially that could be a really uncomfortable situation when you bring in a veteran, uh, not only a veteran offensive mind, but a Super Bowl winning head coach. into a mix where you already have an offensive coordinator, and in this case, a young one who's trying to sort of get his feet set. But everything I know about Gary Kubiak and my interactions and in everyone else's opinions that I respect, their interactions, that you could not have a better person, you know, forget the coach, you know, better person um, to be in that situation and pretty much eliminate any chance of a of hard feelings or uncomfortable, you know, power struggles or anything like that. Yeah. And so that's the first thing I think. And that's, you know, and I know that just sounds like a bunch of drama, but that is actually extremely important. It wouldn't matter how good of a coach he is and what his potential contributions would be 
if uh, if it was going to create a scene, basically. And I don't. And if anyone can prevent that, it's him. Um, and so I think that's really important. And the other thing is, um, if you go back and look at every offense he's been involved with um, in Houston, in Baltimore, and obviously in Denver, they've been really good um, for and not always for the exact same reasons. And so I think there's a, a, a level of authority that he brings that when he makes, makes a suggestion, you can be pretty sure it's a good one and that it should be incorporated. And, and I think that, you know, it'll, it'll be incumbent on him a little bit on Kevin Stefanski a little bit on Mike Zimmer a little bit in terms of how you meld that all together. But I, I really think that it's a win-win for everyone. I can't see a downside to it. I don't see the potential drama emerging. Um, so, uh, you know, in a rare case for me, two thumbs up. <laughs> All right, good. You know, I think, you know, you mentioned if you go back and look at, at Gary's um, previous stops in the NFL, you'll see offenses that uh, were pretty good. You know, and I think if you look at, you know, we still have um, uh, one shoe to drop with, um, you know, an offensive line coach or not. We'll see what happens with that situation. But, I mean, Gary also has his son Clint as a quarterback's coach here that he brings with him, and then the Vikings hired Brian Periani as a tight ends coach. So I think you sort of have sort of Gary, part of Gary's system coming with him perhaps, and there's got to be some value there because it's a system that we know is, that we know works with blocking schemes and tight ends, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and if nothing else, and I, and I think if you were if you're to really study Gary Kubiak's you know time, I think you'll see that there was a fair bit of evolution as well. So guys that already passed, you know, this is not a it won't be an entirely unfamiliar group of people coming together and trying to learn each other's first names before they have to right. start you know to scheme up an offense. And so I think more that's probably more or at least as important if not more than the fact that they are well versed in what he likes to do because there's probably not um you know it's not like different languages in the nfl there's different schemes but they're all kind of um pretty similar and so from the grand scale so that part i think you know it couldn't hurt but i think the big part is that just the personal familiarity and the ability just to kind of hit the ground running um amongst each other before they have, you know, instead of having this sort of ramp up to to that familiarity. Yeah, you know, for for people who want to follow your work, Kevin, what what are a couple of things that you've uh, posted recently or that you're working on here as as we approach the off season? Because I, I know you keep your your eyes on some of the rules and the possible rule changes. We'll see you at the owners' meetings, some yeah. of your analytical data and the officials and all that stuff. What uh, what are some things people can find at ESPN.com? Uh, this week, actually, we actually I actually posted something more traditional, a uh, ranking of the top 50 possible free agents or pending free agents this offseason. You know, a lot some of those guys are going to be franchise tagged and mm-hmm. re-signed. But right now, looking at guys, uh, that's out there. And next week, I'll have a breakdown of the officiating crew for the Super Bowl and give people an idea of what teams should be looking out for and not looking out for as well. So that'll be on ESPN.com probably midweek. Okay, awesome. We'll look forward to uh, catching all that stuff. People can find Kevin's work on Twitter, at Seifert ESPN, and then, of course, go to ESPN.com and go to the NFL tab, and you'll find some of Kevin's work. And you'll also see some of his thoughts on the AFC Championship game, Kevin. Uh, I want to ask you, um, you're going to cover the game, so I won't ask you to predict that game, but what do you think is going to happen in the NFC title game? Well, I, I won't be at the game, so I'll be happy to give you my uh, prediction. I, I already have turned in 
that I think the home teams are going to win in both cases. I okay. think the Chiefs win, and I think the Saints win, and I think that's our Super Bowl this year. And then um, some of those uh, Super Bowl prop bets and over-unders and all that stuff are going to be things we've never seen before, if that's the case, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously scoring has gone down a little bit in the second half of the season, but playing in the Dome in Atlanta, if, if, a, if a weather situation – you know, if weather was a role in, in offensive numbers declining, I, we won't have that issue yeah. in the uh, Super Bowl. So I think, yeah, over-unders, first touchdown, uh, seconds between the between the first touchdown yeah. and the second touchdown, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be. So uh, enjoy your time in Kansas City and, and at the Super Bowl, Kevin, and hopefully we'll run into you down the line here at some of these off-season events. Sounds good, Wabby. Thanks okay. for having me. You bet. See ya. All right, Chrissy. Um, I mean, the draft is what like fans like free agency. Fans will pay attention to the owners' meetings. Fans love the combine and they love the draft. So let's feed the beast, baby. Let's give them a mock draft. What do you got? There's nothing like that draft content. Whether yep. it's the first mock draft, which just came, which just came out on ESPN today. Um, from Mel Kuyper Jr., but we know you guys love that content, so we wanted to give it to you right here on the Wobcast. Kind of review the player that Mel Kuyper has us taking at the number 18th overall pick. That's where the Vikings will pick in the first round this year. And guess what? It's an offensive lineman. Yes, and Vikings <laughs> fans rejoice. So you, you guys should be happy. I know that I read all the comments and everything on social media, posting all this content for you guys, and I know that Offensive lineman is where we want to improve. Well, guess what? The top eligible offensive lineman in the draft, according to Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, the two ESPN draft experts, it's Greg Little, the offensive tackle out of Ole Miss. And while I don't know much about Greg Little, I know that he is 6'6", 325 pounds. That'll do. And he plays left tackle. That'll do. So whether you're one of those fans who thinks Riley Reef can move to the inside, um, Brian O'Neill can play right tackle, and you can throw this guy in at left tackle. Um, Interesting. Who knows? But okay. um, that's that's one of the ideas here from the ESPN experts. This is what Mel Kuyper Jr. had to say about Greg Little. There's a case to be made that Little is the best true left tackle in this class. He certainly is the most talented, the former five-star high school prospect, had some inconsistent play in college, but he should take off in an NFL strength and conditioning program. Coach Mike Zimmer also loves guys who can get after quarterbacks too, so that's also going to be a consideration. But I really um, would love to see a 6'6", 325-pound college player in that division um, from Old Miss coming here and being a well, player who can help us out. Okay. You, I mean, if you're not sold yet, listen to this. 66325 offensive tackle named first team all SEC last week played in every game during his 3 seasons at Ole Miss. It's pretty good. Started 29 games as a left tackle at Ole Miss and was first team all SEC. What's the best conference in college football? Yeah, that's probably the SEC. He was first Sorry, team. Sorry guys, it's not the Big 10. He was first <laughs> team all SEC, okay? So um I mean, I'm sold, but we're, this is a way too early mock draft. We're just having a little bit of fun. We're just having fun with We're it. just having a little bit of fun. But Greg Little um, is Mel Kuyper's pick for the Minnesota Vikings at number 18. Lots more to come on the draft and combine coverage and all that stuff. Hey, we're going to the combine again. That's right. That's going to be pretty cool. I think we're going to mix up our programming and content a little bit this year, right? There will be some live content from go. the combine, whether it's 
um, PA and Wabi doing some analysis from there, talking to all the experts. But we will have some live content that will be streaming on Vikings.com as well as all our social media platforms. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Last thing before we go, we love doing fan mail. So let's knock that thing out, and then we'll uh, say goodbye to everyone. What you got? All right, let's do it. What you got? You, you said it there. I like Go that. ahead. <laughs> First one from Josh Anderson in River Falls, Wisconsin. What is the role of an assistant head coach? I heard Kubiak will be in this role and didn't know what it all entails. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly, you know, because we'd have to get head coach Mike Zimmer on the phone or, uh, or in studio to sort of explain it. But, you know, I think – Aside from sort of being in the laboratory with the offensive staff and concocting a formula for for the offense and you know against a certain opponent, you know I think he's going to have the ear of head coach Mike Zimmer. I think I think he'll be in Zim's office. I think he and Zim will be texting. I think they'll say uh, you know what do you think for motivating the guys this week or how do you think I should structure this joint practice against the Jaguars during training camp and you know do you think we need more pass rush one-on-ones do you think we need a little bit more um you know zone run blocking drills here I, I think it's all those things that uh, you know that yep. that he wouldn't ordinarily lean on an assistant coach as much I think he'll lean lean on Gary Kubiak in that way um and I think Gary's got a lot of experience and Zim respects that I think so that's sort of what the assistant head coach is I I don't I don't think Every assistant head coach in the NFL does all the exact same things. I think it's different from team to team, and and Coach Zimmer and Coach Kubiak will sort of get their thing figured out as they go. Well, the NFL has become a league where you hire your head coach as an expert in either the offensive or defensive side of the ball, and then you have another guy to lean on who can kind of be that voice of reason. Look at the Rams. You have Sean McVay, who is the young offensive genius, but – you forget on the defensive side of the ball is Wade Phillips, who's a longtime right, right. head coach and runs the defense, and he leans on him heavily for the defensive side. Look at the New York Jets, who just hired Adam Gaze to work with quarterback Sam Darnold, but then they go and hire Greg Williams as the defensive guy, so Gaze can then spend time yep. with the quarterback. Hey, so hey here's another thing too: is um, clock management, challenges, timeouts, yep. Yep. Um, the, all of that stuff that Zim works so hard on being good at and has improved so much in. You know, Gary Kubiak can help in that in that role too. And I don't think Gary will have a hard time buzzing in on the headsets during a game and say, "Zim, damn, come on, man, call a timeout here." Right? I agree. W- whereas a younger assistant coach might not feel the authority to be able to do that. Yep. Now, you know, Gary will do that. So I, I think. Um, I think those are sort of the things where, you know, that Gary can help Mike do. And at the end of the day, you're getting a four-time Super Bowl champion, a 10-year head coach in the NFL for for what I think is a bargain. Because he's, sure. I mean, he's coming in to assist your young offensive coordinator, who's the guy who's been here for 13 years. So you got him on your staff, and you have an elder as well. Yeah. I mean, how could you beat that? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Let's just go ahead with it. Let's go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a Minnesota name here. What do we got? We might have to read this one. I well, don't know I, if I could do it. His na- uh, it's Bowden. I'm going to go Bo- Bowden Doring. Bowden. <laughs> Is that what I said? Did I say Bowden? That's how I got to say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> From Sartell, Minnesota. Do you right. know where that is? I do not know That's where that is. That's central Minnesota, Chris. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bowden used some... Uh, capital letters. Yeah, he's uh, he really, really is emphasizing the first part of the sentence. The only thing the Vikings need is an offensive line. All caps. 
All capitals. So we're only going to play with five guys? <laughs> I think we need more than that. I think we need, there's a couple things I could point out that we also need, but yeah. that's all that Bowden wants to see in the draft. Use our first pick for alignment, as we said in the mock draft. That's what um, some of the experts have us doing. Quentin Nelson of the Colts proved to be an amazing pick, and he went in the first round, says Bowden. Okay. Bowden <laughs> is right. Quentin Nelson was a great pick for the Colts in the top five last year, or top top six or seven at least, Yep. for the Colts last year as a left guard. But he wasn't the only piece to that puzzle. Remember, the Colts have a first-round pick as a center, Ryan Kelly. That's right. They have a first-round pick at left tackle, Anthony Costanzo. And they have a second-round pick from last year as well at right tackle, Braden Smith. So yep. it wasn't just Quentin Nelson who was added and who has made that offensive line good. They've built that thing up through the draft, and that's the key. you got to build it up through the draft. And I know people are going to want the Vikings to spend all their free agent money on linemen, and that's fine. But remember who the Vikings have signed in the past in free agency and whether or not it's worked out. And just I'm not going to go through all the names, but just think about the names like Alex Boone. You know, that you know, fans were like, Oh yeah, we signed a free agent offensive lineman. Sweet Alex Boone. Well, I mean, he played for a season, I believe one season, and then we cut him before the next season. So sometimes free agency and big money signings is not the way to improve your offensive line. You gotta build it through the draft. So Bowden is right. We need to look at the draft to add offensive linemen, perhaps even at number eighteen in the first round. But it's not the only thing that we need to look at, to your point, Chris. You said you could name a couple other things that the Vikings might need. And look, the Vi- needs might become more apparent as the offseason goes on, right? I mean, if you don't get Anthony Barr back, I think you need another linebacker, don't you? Absolutely. Okay. So, um, you know, there are going to be other positions where, where the Vikings are going to have to address some needs. Offensive line is not the only one. It might be the most important one in Bowden's mind or in my mind or in Zim's mind or in Rick's mind, but it's not the only one. Other areas will be addressed as well. And the key is when those areas get addressed, don't get frustrated with that because the offensive line wasn't addressed. The offensive line is going to be addressed, but so are other areas. A couple things to keep in mind. Pat Elfline, the center, was drafted by the Vikings as well as Brian O'Neill in the second round, right. who was thought to be this big project at, at right tackle, and he came in and did a gr- as good of a job as you're going to see from a rookie at that spot. So you have two young players on this offensive line. Maybe grab another one, but also – Who's the third wide receiver for this Vikings team? I, mean, I don't think we know for sure who it is. Altogether, I think our Craig Peters, our, one of our staff writers here with the Vikings and our head editor, um, he had a stat that was like altogether was like 60 combined yards for the, for the other wide receivers other than Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen for like the last like that's, six games of the season not gonna or whatever. I think it, there was like one long Aldrick Robinson touchdown that would that he didn't include in that. But other than that, we had like no production yeah. out of that third spot. So maybe another playmaker is a big deal. Maybe an outside linebacker, like you said, but that will be up to the experts to decide. Yep. Um, like, and we'll see what happens. But um, the last one from Jared Matthew in Minneapolis, Minnesota, my hometown. Let's go. <laughs> that is now your hometown. <laughs> that is my hometown. Uh-huh. All four teams remaining are all built and coached to have high-power offenses along with a serviceable defense. As much as I like Zimmer, it seems as though his conservative mindset will not succeed in today's NFL. Jeepers. God, what Jared, does Zimmer have to One year. What does Zimmer have to change as far as strategy and coaching to overcome our below-average quarterback play in, in order Whoa. to compete with the upper end of this league? Wow, Jared, one year removed from being 13 and 3, Zim's too conservative and can't succeed in the NFL. 
And our quarterback passed for 4,200 yards and 30 touchdowns with only 10 picks. And he's below average? Oof, that's, 70, that's a tough over crowd. Over 70% completion percentage as well with a with – a, I mean, he was sacked like what, 36, 40 times? 40,000 like times. <laughs> oh, that's the correct number. Okay. <laughs> 40 times. It felt like 40,000. Jared, my man, I, I hear you. We weren't perfect last year. We, we, um, we fell short of expectations, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Um, uh, I, I get like what he's analogy. saying, though. Oh, thank you. I get <laughs> what he's saying. I mean, if you look at the four teams who are left, Kansas City, New England, New Orleans, and the Rams, they're the top four offensive teams in the NFL. That's right. All right. But last year, all four teams in the final four, New England, Philly, Minnesota, and Jacksonville, Jacksonville. they were all in the top five in total defense. Absolutely. Okay, so last year at this time, instead of it being Jared from Minneapolis, you know, it could have been Sam from St. Paul who writes in and is like, hey, defenses rock. Like, we're built for the future. I love our – like, right? So, I mean, it – a lot changes in a year. There's no one way to win in the NFL. You can construct your team in certain ways to win. There's not one singular way. And you know who's a great example of that is the Patriots. Absolutely. I mean, some years the Patriots got a dominant defense, and that's how they do it. Some years they're scoring 35 points a game, and that's how they do it. So there's not only one good way to do it. There's multiple ways to do it, and the way the Vikings are trying to do it can work. They just got to put all the pieces together and have some synergy and, and be more consistent on offense. So um, I don't think much needs to be changed with Zim or, or Kirk. I think we need to play better around the quarterback. And I think Zim made a lot of changes to the defense going into this season. And then I think after the first month, he scrapped a bunch of it and went back to the basics. So I think Zim needs to remember that lesson, that what he does works. So just do what you do and do it well. And you know who's won a Super Bowl with a quarterback that was aging and an unbelievable defense in recent years? It's Gary Gary Kubiak. Kubiak. Did that with the Denver Broncos when they defeated Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. That team was pretty much structured very similar to our team and the fact that they have or they had a great defense, great pass rushers, which we know we have, and they had Peyton Manning, who was really at the end of his career there. Mm-hmm. Um, strong running game and a couple good weapons on the outside um, on their offense, very similar to this Vikings team that you will see next season. So. Yeah, we're going to have a good roster going into next season. I mean, we're going to make some improvements to the offensive line, and maybe we'll be without a guy or two that were staples last year, but I, we're going to replace them with 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 um, hopefully as good or better players. We're going to get young in the draft. We have a young team to begin with. So we'll, we're going to have a good roster. We just got to put all this thing together, and that's what the Vikings are going to try to do over the course of the offseason is find the pieces, put them in place, and get this thing uh, rolling in the right direction. So uh, that's all the damage we're going to do today on the Wobcast. We're going to watch the football games this weekend. We hope you do too. Conference uh, Championship Sunday. Chrissy, who you got in the games? Uh, yeah, I was about to say, we're we doing picks? Yeah, who you got? I'm going to go with Kansas City. And, oof, the second one's tough. Well, you, you say your first I'm, pick first. Oh, You're okay. going with the Patriots? I'm going with the Patriots. I knew that. Patriots? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the Patriots in the AFC. You're going with the Chiefs, so we disagree on that. If that game that. was in New England, I would 100% have to take the Patriots, but I think just because it's at home and that stadium at Kansas City where it's going to be freezing cold. I know. Best I, thing I heard this week, though, did you hear Belichick at his press conference? Yeah, he's like, we just like to play in the championship game, which we, they've done like we, every year. Yeah, he's like, we enjoy <laughs> playing in championship games, so you can schedule it wherever you want. We'll be there. Yeah. 
Loved it. Ugh. Belichick. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, in the NFC, I got the Saints. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Rams. Okay. I'm going to change it up and go Rams. I, I love what they're doing um, on offense, and I think a very underrated part of that team is their defense. I think they have one of the best defensive lines in the league, behind us, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're a very well-balanced team with a very smart head coach. I, I, I mean, so you're going with a new school at quarterback, and I'm going with old school. I'm going all new school right I'm now. going Brady and yeah. Breeze. You're going Mahomes and Goff. Yeah. Can't wait to watch these games, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, they're, they're, this is probably one of the best weekends in sports. So It is really good. And it's my birthday weekend, so it is? I'll throw that in oh, there. Oh, happy Sat- birthday. Yeah, Saturday is my birthday. Happy so. birthday on Saturday. Yeah. All right, man. Good job co-hosting and producing as usual. Our thanks to Kevin Seifert of ESPN for joining us on today's Wobcast. And, of course, our thanks to you for listening. We appreciate you as well. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Wobcast. We'll be back next week to recap Conference Championship Sunday. Look ahead to the Super Bowl and continue to look ahead to the Vikings offseason. As always, send in your feedback to us on Twitter at CA Corso for Chris, at Wobby for me, and of course send your questions in for Pick 6 in the Monday Morning Mailbag as well because both both of those things will be back next week. All right, that's going to do it for today. Again, on behalf of producer and co-host Chris Corso, this is Wobby signing off for now. Enjoy the games on Sunday and Skull Vikings. So, yeah!